0: The JSC Radio listener, the JSC Radio follower and fan contribute to the show in whatever way you see fit. That's right, looking for people to help keep this show moving. Whether you want to donate $1 an episode, hell, $1 a month. For $5 per episode, I'll shout you out on this show, and you'll even be able to vote on exclusive polls and exclusive half episodes. That's right, JSC exclusives. You'll get to hear those half episodes before anyone else. For $10 or more per episode, now it gets fun because you get to be a sponsor on this show. You got a business? You want me to talk about it? I want you to sponsor my show. For $10, hit me up, send me the script, I'm putting you over. Plus, you get all the other cool stuff that comes with it. For $25 an episode, same thing applies, except this time you will become an official segment sponsor. Do you want a segment of this show sponsored by your business? Of course you do. That's why you want to hit me up on Patreon. For more information on how to become a sponsor of JSC Radio, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. Patreon.com slash JSC Radio, and you can truly help this become the People's Podcast. This is JSC Radio.
1: Over the Vikings 40, the game is killed and the Lions. Take it here. 16 to 13.
0: Darius Slay with the interception to set up the game winner check it out out. this is JSC radio ladies and gentlemen boys and girls children of all ages guess who's back my name is J Scott Smith and this is episode 24 of J S C radio how is everyone doing after almost a month, I have returned to the stage. The People's Podcast is back as we get into the month of December. First and foremost, want to thank everyone who, as always, supports me, supports my work, and supports this show. You can get at me on Twitter at jscottsmith. You can follow me on Instagram at jscottsmith. You can get at me on Snapchat at, you guessed it, jscottsmith. And if you want to support the show and become a sponsor of this thing, go to patreon.com slash JSC Radio. You already heard it once. You'll hear it later on, too. So what are we doing here? What are we talking about? Well, as you can tell from the intro there, I kind of have a slight mea culpa to give you guys almost like I have to go back and kind of make an addendum to an episode I did a few months ago. What a surprise. I look like a total idiot after saying something on this show, and of all things, it's the Detroit Lions who've made me look like a complete and total buffoon so far this season. But you know what? I'm actually not totally mad at that. If I'm going to get proved wrong, I'd much rather be proven wrong in that direction than the other one. And before I fully set off onto this journey on this episode, which also this week will feature a very quick word on the shooting of former NFL player Joe McKnight, as well as the foolishness in South Carolina over the death of Walter Scott. I have to at least say once again, thank you to you guys. I apologize for having been gone this last month. Anybody who has been paying attention knows the month of November just was a total disaster for everyone involved here in the United States it was. Last episode you heard from me, episode 23, kind of laid out exactly how I feel. I don't run from anything I said in that podcast. I'm not ashamed of a word I said in that podcast, and I stand by every single thing I said in that podcast. But here's what we're going to do. The subject matter that was breached in the last podcast, unless there's a very compelling reason, as I've said time and time again on this show, this is the show that's meant to have fun. We're meant to talk about goofy things, fun things, seemingly substanceless things like sports, like what we're going to do for the most part in this show this, this week and this time around. But when I decided to start doing this podcast in April, episodes like this, as well as episodes like number 23 and episodes like the Orlando episode, And the Philando Castile slash Alton Sterling episode and the interviews I've done with Lara Witt dealing with sexual assault and the way that leagues treat women, that's all a part of the grand scheme of things of this. This is a show that's not just a sports show. We're going to get goofy. We're going to have a lot more fun. I can guarantee you in 2017, there's going to be a lot more pro wrestling on this show. There's going to be a lot more gamer stuff on this show. There's going to be plenty of sports on this show. Hell, especially if the Detroit Lions keep going in the direction they're going. There's going to be a hell of a lot more of them on this show, too, than I ever anticipated. But every so often, when real life happens and real life things rear their ugly head, it's impossible for me to bury my head in the sand. So that's the way it's got to be. Will we get political on here? Not nearly as much. Hell, I didn't plan on getting political on this show to begin with. It's just that when things like happen, you kind of can't just say, hey, let's talk about football. No, it's it was pretty valid. So there. That said, the Detroit Lions are 8-4. and four. What the hell's going on here? I, I, I'm not sure what I can possibly say right now because it still hasn't fully settled in with me. If you recall back on August 29th, episode 16 of this show, touched on my love-hate relationship with the men in the Honolulu Blue and Silver. By the way, Honolulu Blue still hasn't been explained to me, and I've followed this team for more than 25 years. I fully expected this season to be a train wreck from them. Calvin Johnson retired. Their defense was in shambles from last year. Jim Caldwell was a head coach basically there because the Ford family Put a gun to the head of the new general manager and made him keep him. And then they started out 1-3. and three, And they were bad-looking 1-3. and three. They were really bad 1-3. and three. Lose to the Chicago Bears 1-3. Blow a 15-3 lead at home to the then-mediocre Tennessee Titans 1-3. They were bad. They were on their way to 1-4 when Ryan Matthews of the Philadelphia Eagles put it on the carpet with about a minute and a half left, and the Lions escaped. And ever since then, it's just been one crazy-ass finish after another. One Houdini act after another. One miraculous pull-a-rabbit-all-the-way-out-of-your-hat win after another. The Lions have, going into last Sunday, and I'll get to that in a second, the Lions were 7-4. and they played 11 games in all 11 games. At some point, they trailed in the fourth quarter. The only other team in the NFL to have trailed in all 11 games they've played are the Cleveland Browns. And the Browns trailed in all 12 of those games. You want to know what Cleveland's record is? They're 0-12. The Lions went into last Sunday, having played 11 games, trailed in the fourth quarter of all 11, and they won seven out of the 11 games. What you heard at the start of the show there was the end of the Thanksgiving Day game, another instance that had been falling into the same pattern. They come out quick, score a touchdown, get up maybe 7, 10, 14 points, then persist to basically just stop playing offense for two and a half quarters, find their way into a game that's either tied or they're down three or they're down seven late, and then magically they start looking like the 2,000 rams and just roll right on down the field and score or some combination of unfortunate events occurs with the other team i.e. the Philadelphia fumble i.e. Minnesota leaving 20 seconds on the clock and not calling timeout i.e. Minnesota again throwing an interception and in they're within their own 30-yard line late in the game thanks Sam Bradford crazy things like that the Rams allowing the Lions just to walk down the field. It's one after another. Washington leaving time on the clock. It, was, it made no sense. It made absolutely no sense. And they just keep winning. And I was one of those people. I've been a Lions fan, as I mentioned in episode 16. Been a Lions fan since about 1989. Barry Sanders' rookie season. I hadn't paid much attention to the Lions to that point because I didn't understand football. I was more of a baseball and a basketball kid. I wasn't big into football until I was about 10 years old. Ever since I started following this team, I've seen them have good seasons. Detroiters and others like to act as if the Lions have never had any good seasons. If you live through the 1990s with me, you totally will get the Detroit Lions were actually pretty good during the 1990s. They just couldn't get over the hump. I've seen the Lions have good seasons, I've seen the Lions have bad seasons, I've seen them have confounding seasons. I've had, I've seen them have seasons that just blow your mind in both directions. This one might take the cake because in every metric up until this past Sunday, the Detroit Lions should have been 4 and 7, not 7 and 4. And 4 and 7 should have been best case scenario for them. But they just keep finding ways to win. Football games.
1: Play clock at three. Matthews got it back. Sets, looks, throws. He's got Golden Tate who makes the catch inside the fifteen, inside the ten, and he's breaking away. He's into the end zone. Pack the bags. Start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions!
0: And then it happened. Magically and miraculously, it happened. They went into New Orleans, the game that anybody with a brain just scribbled down as that come-to-Jesus meeting. You see what I did there? That L that was waiting on a big old silver platter covered in crawfish down in New Orleans. And they went to New Orleans, and they, they beat the hell out of the Saints from start to finish. They beat that team impressively. I've been the guy saying over and over again. I don't care if they're 7 and 4. You can't just you just can't keep winning games like that. You can't keep pulling a rabbit out of the hat. You can't keep just barely getting your arm up at two. You can't just get your foot on the rope as the referee's hand is coming down three over and over again. You can't keep getting the distraction roll up finishes. At some point you have to go out there and you got to dominate a team. Then they go to New Orleans and they do just that. That was a win. Not that crap that they've been pulling all year. That was an actual win. That told me something. That was the first time, probably since the 10 and 6 season, four or five years ago, that they really showed me something. Because even in the 11 and 5 year, they were fraudulent. They showed me something in New Orleans on Sunday. They did. I figured they would win nine games barely get into the playoffs, they might win a division more by default than any real fault of their own. They showed me something on Sunday. I said it on Twitter, by the way, at J. Scott Smith. I am verified. I said it after the Thanksgiving game. They get to Dallas at 9-5. and 5. Dallas is the night after Christmas, Monday Night Football. They get to Dallas at 9-5. and 5. We can talk. The way it's looking right now, if they don't get to Dallas at 9-5, and 5, that's almost criminal. They're at 8-4 and 4 right now. They got those same Bears at the crib this Sunday. Then they go to the Meadowlands and face the Giants the week after that. A split of those games gets you 9-5. and five. Well, here's the thing. I want them to get greedy. I've spent my entire life, I've spent the last 25 years to be exact, watching the Detroit Lions get into advantageous situations just to soil themselves under the pressure. Now is the time. The Tigers are in limbo. They have no idea what direction they're going in. Oh, this is definitely a Detroit centric segment. So if you ain't from Detroit, sit and spin. The Tigers are in limbo. They don't know whether they're buying or selling. They don't know whether to they they don't know whether to shit or whine their watch. The Pistons are what they are. They're a mediocre team that's a couple players away from being a legitimate contender in the Eastern Conference. The Red Wings, they're in trouble. For the first time in a quarter century, they look really bad. My alma mater, Michigan State, just had its worst football season in nearly 40 years. The Lions are what's left. I want them to get greedy. Games like the ones they have coming up on Sunday at home against the Bears, those are traditionally landmines for the Detroit Lions. I was in the Pontiac Silverdome 16 years ago on Christmas Eve, when an equally terrible Bears team drunkenly stumbled into the Silverdome against the Lions, who all they had to do was beat that team to go to the playoffs. And by the way, that team might have actually had the capability of doing something once they got there. All they had to do was knock off those sorry Bears. And as I laid out in episode 16, that didn't happen. And it ushered in the Matt Millen era. Get greedy. Get home. Don't mess around, don't get caught up in some tight game with this team that's nothing but a pile of driftwood. The city of Chicago quit on the Bears a long time ago. The second the Cubs won the World Series, anything the Bears did was immaterial. Go get it done. Then go to the Meadowlands and beat those Giants. And then get down to Dallas and give me a reason to think that that might not be the last time I see those two teams play each other this year. Now, yeah, there's that little minor detail of that team in the Pacific Northwest with that quarterback who ripped out my heart in the Big Ten Championship game a few years ago, but we'll leave them out of this for right now. I want to be able to do something with the Lions that I have not been able to do with them in almost 20 years, and that's dream, and that's believe. Because contrary to what I tweet out about them and contrary to what I say, let me explain this to you the best way I possibly can. I explained it in episode 16, and I'm going to explain it again. I would do and give anything to see that franchise make a Super Bowl. I think of how happy and ecstatic the Cats I know who are from New Orleans were when the Saints got to and then won The Super Bowl. Won it. The hapless Saints. The Saints. The Aints. I remember how insane it was watching that celebration in New Orleans when the Saints got to that Super Bowl. It sent goosebumps up and down my arm. Because the only thing I can think of is what would it be like when it's eventually our chance, our turn. Is that ever happening? I don't know. I haven't been allowed to dream to think big with this team. And to think that it could be with a quarterback that I've always considered to be mediocre to slightly above average. This year, he's been closer to the above average. I don't think he's as good as everyone thinks he is still. But he's been doing enough to win. And I'll get off his ass if they win a division. You win a division title, I get off of you. All I've ever demanded of Matthew Stafford is he wins something. He gets all this praise and is told how great he is and he makes all these great decisions and he's just this, he's got this amazing arm and he's got all this talent and they're blathering on about Hall of Fame. Dude, win a division title. Teddy Bridgewater got one. You can't get one? Jay Cutler got a couple. You can't get one? Go out there and get it. Just do it. Win the division. Put a, put a real actual banner up there in Ford Field. Let's not do the playoff banners thing anymore. Put a real banner up there. Win a division title, you can put a banner up there. And then think big. Think big. I want to believe in this franchise. I do. I would love nothing more than to really believe that this team can do something other than just pull rabbits out of hats and have occasional good games. So show me something. Show me. I'm begging you, show me. Contrary to what it looks like on my tweets and what I tell people, I want in. I want to believe but I'm not going to be fooled again by you guys. You got to earn it. That's all I ever say to Lions fans is, how come they don't have to earn it? Just a little. Make them earn it just a bit. Don't just give it away. Make these guys earn it with you. And that's what they're starting to do with a lot of people, including my stubborn ass. Chicago, Giants, Cowboys, Packers. Split the, Just split those. You go 10-6. and six, And you'll likely win the division. Especially if one of those two wins is over Green Bay. Just split them. That's 10 and 6. I say get greedy. Go 3 for 4. I'm willing to sacrifice that Dallas game. Or I'm willing to sacrifice the Giants. One or the other in the middle. Go 3 out of 4. Make that 11 and 5 seem a hell of a lot more legitimate than that thing you did 2 years ago. I want to believe in this franchise. I do. And I don't care... What I would have to do. I don't care who I'd have to talk to. If they made a Super Bowl, and I know I was thinking big, and I don't like to use those two words in reference to them, but I've always maintained this. If they ever made a Super Bowl, ever, I would pull whatever string I had to get a credential and to get my ass to wherever that Super Bowl is just to watch it, just to be a part of it, because that's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. You have to understand, Lions haven't won a championship, an NFL championship of any kind in what will be 60 years next year, 1957. Let a brother dare to dream. Let's dare to dream. Let's get silly. I want the Lions to do this. I do, but they got to give me a reason to fully get behind them. Go beat Chicago, get to Dallas at 9-5, 10-4, and 5, <laughs> 10 and, 4, and let's party. My name's Jay Scott Smith. Coming up. After this quick message, this quick break, I gotta take a second, I have to, to comment on the death of Joe McKnight and tie it in a little bit to this mistrial down in South Carolina dealing with the police officer who killed Walter Scott. This is JSC Radio, and we'll be back after this. Check it out. This is JSC Radio. Hey now, it's J. Scott Smith here, the host of JSC Radio, which you can now hear on Stitcher Radio. That's right, Stitcher is radio on demand. Now, you can download the free app today, and it's available on iOS, Android, as well as Nook and Kendall Fire. You can take JSC Radio anywhere. The app is free, you can listen anytime, anywhere. Now, if you're wondering what Stitcher is, Stitcher is an award winning free app that lets you listen to all of your favorite shows, plus, discover 40,000 news, entertainment, and sports shows, such as JSC Radio. You can create a custom playlists. You can rate and review this show and others on Stitcher. Please drop a friendly review on the show. Not only is Stitcher available on all smartphones and tablets, it's also in over 4 million card dashboards. It's on-demand and on-the-go. No downloading, no syncing, no wasted memory on any of your devices. You can stream your favorite podcasts, like JSC Radio, for free on Stitcher. If you don't have the Stitcher app, simple. Go to Stitcher.com today or check out the App Store on whichever device you use. Stitcher Radio, be sure to check it out. This is JSC Radio.
2: At approximately 2.43 p.m. today, uh, we received a call of a shooting that occurred here at Holmes and Berman Highway. Um, Our officers arrived on the scene and immediately uh, began giving CPR to to an individual who was shot and lying on the ground uh, with EMS and others uh, assisting at this uh, location. The individual um, who was shot and ultimately expired has been identified as Joseph Joe McKnight, black male, 28 years of age. Um, Mr. McKnight, um, as most of you know, uh, was a football star at John Curtis who went on to have Uh, an incredible football career at the University of South South California, University of Southern California, excuse me, uh, and also went on to play uh, in in the NFL, uh, most recently, I believe, with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, We have um, in custody at the present time um, and are interviewing um, The shooter uh, in this case, who stayed on the scene, uh, relinquished uh, his weapon uh, to our officers, Uh, an individual identified as Ronald Gasser, a white male, 54 years of age. Um, The two vehicles came to stop at this particular location side by side. Um, The only thing that we know uh, at this in time uh, and everything else would be conjecture because at the present time we are interviewing a number of witnesses uh, as well as Mr. Gasser at the bureau um, is that um, that Mr. Gasser uh, did in fact shoot Mr. McKnight Um, and we will be uh, releasing additional details uh, as we get through uh, these interviews uh, with these witnesses, as well as uh, with Mr. Gasser,
0: This is JSC Radio, episode 24 of the People's Podcast. Welcome back. Remember, you can also check out the show on iTunes be sure to subscribe under JSC Radio. You can get at me on SoundCloud as well as on Stitcher Radio as you've heard already during the show. That's also search JSC Radio. So yeah. Uh hard to transition from having a little fun and being a little hopeful and getting a little goofy in the first segment over to this, but a lot has happened in the last month and something that just happened in the last week has really caught my attention. And as you heard there, that was uh that was the Jefferson Parish Sheriff describing what occurred when former NFL player Joe McKnight, who was an absolute star down in New Orleans in high school and ended up being a very good running back at USC, was gunned down in a road rage incident. And... It's not just that he was gunned down. It's that he was gunned down by a dude with a history of anger issues and raging out in public and being a guy who attacks people on the road. He attacked somebody at this exact same intersection 10 years ago. Spat on him, got into a fight with him the whole nine yards. The only difference is this guy ended up being alive. Joe McKnight ended up getting shot. And what made this stand out as so ridiculous is that the man who shot him, the gentleman, and I use that term loosely, by the name of Ronald Gasser, Ronald Gasser got to sleep in his own bed that night. He got to go home. And of all the things, it's like you're piling on at this point when something like this happens. Apparently, Gasser and McKnight got into some argument while driving McKnight either cut him off or he cut McKnight off, and they're going back and forth. And McKnight makes the mistake of getting out of the car, which is something I never do. Even if you're dealing with somebody on the road, you don't get out of the car. That's just nothing good comes of that. But even if you get out of the car, that doesn't mean he gets to be shot dead. An unarmed man gets out of the car. They're having this argument, and the other dude in the car, who just so happens to be Caucasian, decides, why fight this man? Why argue this man? And instead of, you know, shutting up and just driving away and being the grown-up, no, I'm going to grab a gun and I'm going to shoot this man in broad daylight in the middle of an intersection. And then he gets to hang around, tell his side of the story, since the gentleman who was on the other side of the story can't quite talk because he's dead. The police take him to the station. They question him, and they send him home. They send him home. If you remember a few months ago, former New Orleans Saint Will Smith, almost an identical incident, was shot dead during a road rage incident. The guy who shot him, Cardell Hayes, he went to jail. He was charged that night. Gasser went to the station, left without charges. Now, to be fair, earlier today, it was announced that he was charged. And that same. Jefferson Parish Sheriff, and I want to make sure I get his name right. That same Jefferson Parish Sheriff, Newell Norman. He could have simply, you know, announced there were charges, thanked everybody for their patience, and went on about his business. But instead, what he did was go on this minutes-long hissy fit, making random, wild assertions about black-on-black crime, and essentially trying to defend the shooter and make it seem as if, and then he goes on this screed about people reacting to the very odd sight of you letting a man go home and sleep in his own bed after he kills a man on the street. He killed him. Norman defended his decision not to arrest Gasser during that press conference on Friday and claims that it would have painted witnesses' statements as they were seeking to do the investigation. I call BS on that because Cardell Hayes sure as hell went to jail that same night, and they took witness statements, and they got more information. So I don't want to hear this crap about you couldn't lock him up. You could. You could. Precedent has been set. You could. And the last thing that's needed is him chastising people. But it's not just that he simply chastised people for daring to have an opinion. It's not just that he basically taunted civil rights groups and mocked them for daring to have an issue with it. He then gives this press conference today where he goes one step further and decides to read some of the comments that have been sent to other city leaders about this investigation. Needless to say, this is not something you want to listen to unless you've got on headphones
1: At work. Our elected leaders that stood by me, and I want to thank them again. You are true leaders. You are credible leaders. You did not do what was in your best interest. You did what was in the best interest of the community, and you're suffering for it, and I feel bad for you. I do. And I'm sure you see the emotion in me, because it's not fair. It's not fair for him to be called you punk-ass Uncle Tom coon. We saw you sell out to them, you rat-ass faggot punk. That's the tone of what we're calling our elected leaders for standing up and simply saying, let justice prevail and let the process take its course. To go on to say, you ass-kissing faggot that has done little to our community. All we know is that you are a bitch puppet. You, you rat-ass looking coon on TV. I bet they made you say that, puppet boy. I know what I see. I know that Norman is a piece of shit and you stood behind that white boy with that bullshit, nigga. You won't even stand with your people, you self-serving son of a bitch. Really? And the tone of these go on and on and on and on. And all we simply asked for was let them do their job. Because nothing says
0: respecting the process and being respectful of law enforcement quite like a guy with a gun and a badge in his full dress whites throwing a hissy fit on national television. Nothing quite makes us want to empathize with you than that. This has not been the best two, three-year span for black people in the police. I've done a couple of different episodes on this particular subject. The most recent one was back in July when dealing with the shooting deaths of Philando Castile. By the way, that cop was eventually charged. And Alton Sterling... And there's still no word on what happened with them. Oh, and by the way, that was in Baton Rouge. Once again, we're in Louisiana. It it gets distressing. And it gets really heavy to keep seeing this. And then you compound it with this mistrial that was declared in South Carolina yesterday. Walter Scott. You remember Walter Scott. A year and a half ago, he was pulled over for a broken taillight. The cop who pulled him over. Michael Slager gets him out of the car, some sort of scuffle ensues, Scott pulls away from the officer, starts running away, and Slager pumps eight shots into his back as he's running away. Slager then walks over, picks up a taser, and plants it next to the body, as if to set up an alibi, an alibi that he eventually tried to run with, claiming that Scott took the taser from him and threatened him. He would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for those pesky cell phone cameras. Cell phone camera by a gentleman who just happened to be passing by the area, caught the whole damn thing. This cop shoots him cold blood in the back eight times. He plants a weapon on him and then creates this narrative that he was coming right for me and I had to do what I had to do to protect my life. You remember I did the episode on that and said that's what happens when you don't have the technology that we have in 2016, or in that case, 2015. A cop can say, he was coming right for me, pop, 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 down he goes. What was I supposed to do? I had to protect myself. Camera says, he was running away from you. And he was far enough away from you that he posed no threat. He had no weapon. He was running. If anything, you were going to hit him with a weapon, you had a taser on the ground. Pick up the taser and use it. It's not lethal force. But instead, he shot him. He then goes into court and tells his same silly story about he was coming for me. I was fearing for my life. When presented with the obvious evidence on the tape that he wasn't coming right for you, he was running away. He tried to insist that I just felt like I was in danger and he was trying to attack me. He was running away from you. He couldn't even give a rationalization for why he planted the taser on him. Twelve jurors. And yes, I will make a note of pointing this out. 12 jurors, 11 of them white, one black, were left to deliberate this. And what should have been a pretty good idea, pretty good instance of a rather open and shut case. You're getting something. If the roles are reversed and a cop is somehow running away from an armed guy and he shoots him five times in the back and he kills him, we we pretty much know how that's going to end. 11 of the jurors saw what the rest of the world saw. Cop. Shot an unarmed man square in the back, planted a weapon on him to try to frame him up. They voted to convict him. There was one guy, one person who refused. Not that they didn't prove the case, not that they thought that he was innocent. He knew the man was guilty. He just refused, refused to convict him because. He just can't convict the cop. This is what, and I said it in the summer, and I'm going to say it again now. This is why we're angry. This is why we're nervous. This is why we're scared in this country. This is why it's not as simple as just doing what the cops say. Because things like this keep happening. That you can be shot dead on camera by a police officer And one person out of 12 sees that and insists that the guy who got shot isn't worthy of justice because the shooter wore badge. It's when you get into an argument on the road and someone can shoot you dead on the street in broad daylight and they get to go home and sleep in their own bed that night. Of note, Ronald Gasser is white. Joe McKnight was black. Cardell Hayes was black and so was Will Smith. Cardell Hayes is in jail. He's been there ever since waiting on trial. It's checkers. It ain't chess. And if you're black in this country, it doesn't make a difference if you were a high-profile athlete or just some brother who was working in a school cafeteria. You're treated as if your life is secondary. You're treated as if your concerns are a bother or a problem to people. To hear that sheriff, Norman, Just prattle on and on, just throwing this hissy fit on national TV. That's pathetic. Do better. I know police officers grew up with one in my house. That's embarrassing to them. Do better. Grow up. As we head toward 2017, one has to wonder what's next. Because what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Is there going to be a retrial for the killing of Walter Scott? Who knows? Sure hope so. It would be awesome if there were. But it's frustrating, and I mentioned it back in the summer. It's scary because at any point in time, you never know who could be next. You never know if getting pulled over for a quote-unquote busted tail light could end up with me ending up on a gurney. You don't know, and that's the scariest part of all this. You just don't know. Rest in peace, Joe McKnight. Rest in peace, Walter Scott. I have a bad feeling that in 2017, I'm gonna be doing more comments like this and more episodes dealing with things like this because it's not gonna stop. And that is maybe the greatest shame of all. My name is Jay Scott Smith. Coming up in the milestone episode number 25. That'll be coming up probably the next week to 10 days. I'm not gonna give you a hard target on that because of just how crazy everything is. It's going to be the first annual Christmas show. We're totally lightening up the mood. I'm telling a couple of Christmas stories. We're playing some Christmas music. We're having some fun. Notice I didn't say holiday. I said Christmas because, damn it, I celebrate Christmas. I'm not Jewish. I don't celebrate Hanukkah. I don't care about Kwanzaa. My holiday is Christmas. If you celebrate something differently, join us anyway. Have fun with it. Let's all come together here because God knows we need it right about now. My name is J. Scott Smith. I'm telling you to take care of yourself. God bless. Always there to be different. Always have your pets spayed or neutered. Remember that success is certain, and we are out of here. I'll see you next week for episode 25, of the JSC Radio Christmas Special. Godspeed to Joe McKnight and Walter Scott. We'll see you next week. Thanks for coming out. God bless you. Good night. Check it out. This is JSC Radio.